You're listening to the Mental Gains Podcast. I'm Matt Russell. And I'm Verna Mullins. There is a mental health crisis in Ohio. Nearly 2.4 million Ohioans live in communities that do not have enough behavioral health professionals. There's never been more people seeking out mental health treatment. And in Ohio, we simply do not have the infrastructure for it. In a 2021 study by the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, demand for behavioral health services increased 353% from 2013 to 2019, while that same workforce only increased 174%. As demand rises, patients wait longer and longer for critical services. Last year, Governor DeWine announced a plan to increase the number of behavioral health care providers to meet the growing demand. But is it enough? The plan, it does include $85 million investment of federal funds that gives our state, and this is a direct quote, an opportunity to make educations more attainable and affordable for students committed to behavioral health care careers. It will also help remove financial barriers from obtaining licenses, certifications, and exams necessary for employment in these careers. Ohio Mental Health and Addiction Services Director Lori Chris said the lack of trained qualified professionals is the number one concern we hear from the mental health and addiction providers around Ohio. Making education, licensure, and certification affordable for future behavioral health professionals is a great step, but it doesn't exactly address what will be the main topic of this episode. And that's burnout. How to keep people who are already working in this field happy and satisfied. How to keep them in this field. So we're talking to Verna about burnout because she's been a leader in this industry for 15 plus years. Um, and so obviously we're interested in, in what you do to avoid burnout, but we're also interested in really how you keep your staff from from getting burnt out. But I guess it makes sense to start with you. What are some of the things that you do to avoid burnout? Well. <laughs> um, Is there a lot to it? Is that why the, the big pause there? Right, right. Yeah. Largely what I do to prevent burnout is I do a check-in. So I check in with myself. Um, how am I feeling? Do I feel I have a good work-life balance? What's going on right now? Do I need to make any changes? If I feel myself getting burnt out, the first thing I try to do is I try to use uh, emotional regulation. And I do that so that I can get back to the rational state so I can be mindful of what's really going on in my, my life. And is it my personal life? Is it my work life? And try to separate the two so that I can then come up with a plan of these are the things that I need to do to ensure that I don't get burnt out. Mm. A lot of those things are going to include um, making sure that um, I'm living healthy. Uh, and that means am I taking enough time to um, be eating well, exercising, um, doing th things in my personal life that are meaningful to me, those types of things. Am I getting everything done that I need to get done in my personal life so there's nothing that's that's going over into my work life? Mm -hmm. And then I look at my, my job. Um, am I leaving everything at work or am I taking um, things that 
from work stressors into my personal life, which mm-hmm. is then making that suffer. Yeah. And we'll, we're going to get to the boundaries that you set up here a little bit later because I, I definitely am interested in your boundaries because maybe I can implement some of your tools into my own life. But, um, you know, from an organizational standpoint, when I interviewed here, it, it was a little unique in that I didn't just interview with you. I sat down with all of the members and all of your staff and... Really, everybody just kind of lobbed questions at me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, group interview. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I don't think everybody would thrive in that situation. But where the job I came from, I I was really comfortable in that kind of scenario. But during that, I learned um, that some of your staff has been here for a long time, uh, which is kind of rare in this industry. The behavioral health experiences higher rates of turnover than even public teachers, mm-hmm. which is wild. So it, how do you keep your staff from turning over? Like, what do you do that helps your, your staff avoid burnout as well? I think I do a lot of things. And I think the most important thing that I do is um, I try to have an open communication with um, the staff here and not just with me, but with each other. Because um, like I said before, I check in with myself well, I want to also check in with my staff, but I want them checking in with each other. Because sometimes when we go to work, we carry in things with us. Um, so some of those things might be, you know, like, uh, I just had a death in the family, or, you know, I had a really bad morning, and I'm having a financial crisis, or, or whatever it is, we're human too. So we're going to carry in stuff with us to work. So checking in with each other to be like, hey, if it's one of those days where so and so isn't doing the best being like, hey, help me out. Mm-hmm. If this occurs, or can you cover my group and I'll cover this for you mm-hmm. and kind of having that open um I guess open door policy with each other if and and I got to tell you with a, there's another staff here today who we we kind of did that I asked him what he does when he's feeling himself uh just more in, in a negative frame of mind not even necessarily about work but I noticed today when I was driving into work I was just in a grumpy mood and I was like do you consciously say the same thing to yourself? Like, do you have a mantra that you say to yourself when you're like, oh, damn, I'm I'm feeling kind of negative today. And we kind of compare notes. And so we do check in with each other. I actually, I I just had a conversation with a a staff a couple days ago. And I said, I'm going to start saying, what is the best thing that can happen? Because um, this week and last week, we um, we had a lot of extra stress um, Mm -hmm. at work um, because we had to have... um, we had some crisis situations that we had to take care of. Um, Definitely more than usual. Yes. And uh, so then I just started saying, instead of focusing on like, oh, what's the worst that could happen? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to like, what's the best thing that could happen today? And try to just focus on that. But in addition to um, having the staff communicate with each other and me and check in with themselves and each other, um, I really encourage um, staff to take days off when they need them. 
Um, I work with staff who, um, some of them are PSSs, which means they're peer support, and mm-hmm. they either have a mental health diagnosis or a are in recovery for uh, substance abuse. She's talking about me, by the way. <laughs> and, you know, and sometimes they have both. Mm-hmm. So, again, not only do we have the fact of being a human and all of that, what that entails and the stressors that come with that, but we also have um, staff that have additional mm-hmm. mental health issues on top of that. Mm-hmm. So being a human is hard. It is. It really <laughs> I think that is. You acknowledge that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I I encourage staff to take mental health days if they need it. Um, I encourage them to use our EAP services, our employee assistance program that we have here at Harbor. I encourage staff to to be open with me about, hey, um, I'm getting bored with doing this specific thing or this group, or I want to challenge myself, or I want to learn something else, or I want to, I want to, um, to try mm-hmm. something different with the clients. And we, it, this is a very unique environment where um, I allow the we allow the clients and the staff to produce the programming. Mm-hmm. They come up with the ideas of what would be helpful to me. Mm-hmm. What do I need right now? Sometimes burnout is caused by doing something repetitively. Mm-hmm. And here we have a lot of flexibility to change up the programming so that things can be a little bit fresh and new. Um, Every day looks different here. And so um, I think that um, that definitely helps. So we close to the clients at four, but we're still usually here until like 4.35, sometimes mm-hmm. 5.36, depending on what we have to do. And during that time um, is an open forum for uh, staff to express how they feel. Mm-hmm. Um, they can express how they feel about certain situations um, with programming or you know uh, personalities of uh, clients or things that had occurred here and as long as they do it in a way that is respectful and um, and not damaging to anyone I think it's a very good thing Mm -hmm. Um, I also encourage humor I think that laughter is very healing and I think it's very important to have here at the center. And so I, I do encourage the staff to, you know, have fun and not restrict themselves so much that they walk on eggshells. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we, we definitely laugh a lot here. Right. So I wanted to bring this up to you. Mental health professionals are more likely to experience burnout if they have some of these characteristics. Ready? Mm-hmm. Have less job experience, lack confidence in their skills, lack a social support network, don't put up boundaries, have perfectionism, and use self-effacing humor. Now, I'm pretty good in most of those. I do <laughs> have a pretty self-deprecating sense of humor that I think I get from my father. Mm-hmm. All of those other ones, I think I'm pretty good at. It took me some time to put up uh, boundaries. What kind of boundaries do you have in place to make sure the things that go on at work don't leach into your, your personal life? Okay. 
Um, well, I, first I'd like to answer this question about uh, the boundaries that I have at work in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that I have four sets of bosses, and um, my bosses are the clients who we call members, my staff, my direct supervisor in Harbor, and then the Adams board of Wood County that funds the programming. Mm-hmm. Um, so my boundaries are learning when is the right time for me to fight and who to fight for. Mm. So sometimes it's I need to advocate for a client. Other times it's I need to advocate for my staff. Um, other times I need to prioritize and stop everything I'm doing and get a report done for my boss. Uh, you know, sometimes it's changing up some of the programming to meet some of the uh, the rising needs of what the board, um, you know, wants our program to have or something like that. So um, when you kind of know what your priorities are, it's easy to create boundaries at work. And obviously, if there's an emergency happening, that's going to have um, priority over everything else. Mm -hmm. But also having boundaries with clients in that sometimes when you are a mental health professional, they assume that you are somehow not human, (laughs) like that you can handle anything thrown at you. So there has been sometimes where I had to set boundaries um, with clients and say, hey, look, I just I need to tell you this. I I am human, too. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I do make mistakes or I don't say the most perfect thing all the time. Right. Um, You know, please forgive me. Um, But (laughs) kind of having uh, those types of boundaries at work um, help me for when I get home I'll have less to let go of. Mm -hmm. Typically, I try to, on the way home from work, okay, so I try to start there, and I listen to music, and I try to relax and just, like, start to unload all of the things that had happened during the day. And then when I get home, I put my work bags at the door, and when I put my work bags at the door. Are we talking? Physical. Fi- okay, physically. I physically take. Literally my- and and metaphorically. Yes. Okay. I, I put my work bags um, and the baggage, uh, <laughs> emotional baggage or, you know, <laughs> um, at the door. And that's where typically it's left. Just a side note, you do bring a lot of bags to work, like physical bags. I, I do. I yeah, do. You, you have a lot I'm, of stuff. You're I'm prepared. somebody that likes to always be prepared. Yeah. Um, so as soon as I get home, I leave all the baggage at the door and, uh, typically the first thing I'll do is I will take my dog for a walk. If I do not take my dog for a walk, sometimes what will happen in those situations, I will get derailed. And by derailed, I mean sitting on the couch, looking at stuff on my phone, stuff to distract me instead of actually add to my life. So what I like to do is I like to uh, exercise right away with my dog because um, it makes her happy. Um, She is the boss of me 100%. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it in action, yeah. (laughs) And so um, it's just really nice to 
to be able to have that a little bit of actual physical exertion mm-hmm. to also let go of um, the day. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of there's a couple of directions I want to go here. So I'm kind of changing gears here, but um, I think in a lot of fields that that are. I would say higher stress, higher consequence uh, type jobs. One way people avoid, maybe not true burnout, but one way people make it worth it is by making a lot of money. And and that's <laughs> that's not the case for, for people who go into this line of work. You don't get into the world of, of mental health because you're going to become a millionaire. The people are here are here because they want to be here, which can make it a really rewarding workplace because you're working with people who care. Right. Um, they're they're not here just to collect a paycheck. Otherwise, they'd be somewhere else. In a field where people are passionate about it, how is it that it does have such high turnover that people do get maybe cynical or or feel like they're they're not making a difference? Why why do you think that is? Well, I, I think that there there are several um, causes of burnout, specifically in the mental health field. We work with a clientele um, who I would say about 90% have gone through trauma. Um, We hear about that trauma on a daily basis. Sometimes uh, we can internalize that trauma and have secondary trauma from that. Mm -hmm. So when you're going into work and you have your own life outside of work and on top of your own human existence, you are now having all of the problems and all of the traumas and and all the difficulties um, and the emotions of, of your clientele literally unloaded onto you. A lot of times that can be very overwhelming for people, um, especially if they're new in the field and they don't know how to, to do some of that emotional regulation or rational detachment or they're not using enough coping skills at home to, to reset their nervous system, you know, to do some necessary work that needs to be done to be effective yep. in this field. And um, I think that some of the other reasons are um, you just, when you're working with somebody and they come to you and it seems like they're not progressing or they're not getting better and it seems like they're having the same issues and the same problems, it doesn't seem like uh, they're kind of like stuck and you feel like... Kind of plateauing in a way. Right, and you're like, well, I'm doing all of these things to try to help them build self-awareness and Mm -hmm. and to help them... um, you know, role model some good coping and to, and to do some of this stuff. And they're, they're falling back into their old behaviors. Sure. And it can be frustrating for people. Um, and it can also lead to uh, compassion fatigue, mm-hmm. um, where you're just like, you just don't have the energy anymore to tell that person the exact same things that you've been telling them um, over and over and over. So I think that that definitely is another uh, possible cause of burnout. I think another reason is what we do as mental health workers is very important. Just like I would say the role of teachers, the role of police officers, the role of first responders, uh, nurses, the people on the front lines, the home health care aides, the people working in nursing homes. Okay, these people have direct, almost constant, while they're at work, 
face-to-face interaction with their clientele. And that can be draining if they don't have enough time for breaks and and lunch and time to kind of... uh, uh, decompress. Mm-hmm. And so when, when people are overloaded with that constantly every single day, um, they can just get burnt out on just the fact that they are constantly mm-hmm. surrounded by people, helping people in these um, professions. But also some of the most important professions that we have are some of the lowest paid. Mm-hmm. And Of course, when I thought about what do I want to do when I grow up, I knew that I wanted to help people. Did I think that the economy was going to ever be like this? (laughs) I mean, um, so you you go into a field thinking, you know, I genuinely want to help people and I want to make the community better. and, um, And then you realize that I can't afford to to live off of the salary. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how good of a person you are, and it doesn't matter how much you want to help people. If If you can't pay your bills. Especially if you're (laughs) single. Mm -hmm. Something I I wanted to to circle back to. You you were talking about compassion fatigue, or really more specifically, uh, vicarious trauma, which is the compounding impact on behavioral health staff of working with patients who have experienced traumatic life events. Um, you would describe yourself as being an empath, correct? Yes. Okay, yeah. so I have... I, I would say that I, um, I am a very sympathetic person, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also a very empathetic person. Mm-hmm. And in addition to being able to sympathize and empathize with people, um, I'm also a very highly sensitive person. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I um, I do believe, I know a lot of people, some people are like, oh, what's an empath? It's just another, you know. Well, in fact, we had this debate. Well, not right. really a is debate, it really conversation. A, is it really but... a thing? Um, but I, there is a definition for it. There is I, a word, I have it right in front of me. There is a word for it, and I do identify. All right, so an empath uh, here. Uh, an empath is an individual who feels more empathy than the average human. Empaths are exceptionally sensitive to the emotions and frame of mind of nearby individuals. And then I saw somewhere that maybe 1% to 2% of the population identifies as being an empath. So that kind of explains maybe why you got into this line of work. But wouldn't that also result into you being more susceptible to things like vicarious trauma? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you have to be all the more Uh vigilant about Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself. Right. I would say when I first started in the field, um, before I had developed, you know, a really good self-care routine, there were times where clients had told me about situations. And in addition to working at the Connection Center for 22 years, I also did work in domestic violence uh, for over 15 And um, I've heard some really gruesome experiences and stories. And I will say there were nights where I could not sleep. There were times I had nightmares. Um, There were times when I was told um, very traumatic experiences and stories um, from women. Sometimes when I am um, meeting with clients, their emotions are so overwhelming 
that I feel like as if I may start crying. Mm-hmm. Um, I am just very, very in tune to the environment of what's going on, almost how people are feeling before they even speak. Um, when they do share things with me that is very painful, sometimes I actually feel like I feel their emotional pain. And that can be very, very overwhelming and it can be distressing if if I'm not able to do something to get rid of all of that and reset and start fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you carry too much of anything, you know, into your daily life, then that overspills into your interactions with other people. So I like to clean slate it. And so to do that, I have a lot of things that I do uh, at home and um, sometimes things I do do at work with clients. Um, You just did one today. I did. I did a um, Uh, guided meditation. I did a guided meditation with a client before we were going to have an emotional check in. It was good because we've had a really stressful week here at the Connection yeah, Center. Yeah, like we were saying. And um, it was really relaxing to be able to kind of just like let that stuff go, to be able to then go into a- another group um, that could possibly also be emotional. Mm-hmm. So yes, at home, I practice meditation every single day. Every single day. Every night, I do a meditation. I practice mindfulness. Um, I do a lot of grounding techniques. I do a lot of things to let out energy like dancing and singing and listening to music. I will hum or chant or just move my body just to get rid of any residual Mm -hmm. that I'm feeling I'm taking on from other people. I probably wake up on a work day probably 45 minutes to an hour earlier than what I have to because I need I need to establish some alone time before I come into work where alone time is just not a thing mm-hmm. um, at work, uh, even when we're eating lunch here. And then when I get home, I need to reclaim some alone time. It could be like, hey, Matt, come on out. We're going to your favorite restaurant. Your favorite people will be there. We all have gifts and envelopes of money for you. I'd still be like, ooh, I'd love to, but not right after work. Like no matter what, I need, I just need that time every day. Book ending work. Mm-hmm. I just need that. And I don't think I did need that because I haven't been working in this profession for 22 years like you have. I, I, I used to do other things and I didn't need as much alone time as, as I do now. I think I'm going to find eventually, though, that the techniques that you need to unwind and and to make sure you have that work-life balance will probably shift. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the same thing won't work forever. Um, but right now, I, I have some things figured mm-hmm. out, and it sounds like you do, too. Yeah. Well, I've, I've recently started doing something different in the mornings. Um, Typically in the morning, what I will do is I'll wake up and I'll make my coffee and I'll go out to my sun porch and um, open the screen door and listen to the birds and kind of have like a a nice grounding, um, relaxing, peaceful um, amount of time before I start to get ready. Um, But what I've discovered recently is I came across, uh, I I don't even know if it was on Instagram or what it was, but they did this study on 
binaural beats and how it can reduce your cortisol levels in the morning um, by getting your brain waves into the theta wave state. And I will say that since I've been doing that, I have definitely found a decrease in my stress levels. I mean, I don't know, I, you know, maybe some of the listeners aren't into that, but you know what? It's not something that can actually hurt you. And so if you are <laughs> stressed out or if you're having anxiety or depression or even health issues, just, just try it. I, I couldn't agree more. I was with another staff member uh, during the journaling group yesterday. We, we both kind of led it. And she put on a very similar type of music. And I listened to a ton of what would be called ambient music. And I wonder if it's mental health professionals who make like 99% of that listening base up. And, um, you know, where we work at the Connection Center, um, every morning I pick up some of the, the clients who, who live in town here. And I play that music uh, on the bus, too. Uh, some of them really like it. I think some of them don't like it. Um, <laughs> but uh, anything just to get in a more peaceful state of mind. Before I let you go here, Verna, is there anything else you want to talk about that maybe I didn't touch on or ask you about? We only have so many hours in the day. And we only have so many hours, minutes, seconds in our lives. So what we need to ask ourselves on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, am I doing everything that I want to do? Am I experiencing everything that I want to experience as a human? I think that less burnout occurs when we're able to fully be authentic with ourselves and be working on the things that we truly kind of want to do in this life and figuring out what those things are. I also think that continuing to work on your self-awareness and um, checking in with yourself is just so very important in any job to have work-life balance. Nicely said. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, my name is Matt Russell. I am the host, producer, and I made the music for this episode. And I'm Verna Mullins, your host and producer. Chris Pfeiffer is the executive producer of the Mental Gains Podcast. And please come visit us and say hi at wgte.org slash mental gains. Bye. WGTE. Voices around us. WGTE is supported in part by American Rescue Plan Act funds allocated by the City of Toledo and the Lucas County Commissioners and administered by the Arts Commission.